My guest this week admitted to the Chicago Tribune that he left the lucrative calling of Middle East diplomat to become a writer for David Letterman. A born and bred New Yorker, he had made his way to California in the 1960s and started a stand-up career. This led, led to an over-decade-long partnership with David Letterman at, at a time when he also wrote 11 classic episodes and produced the iconic show Married with Children. Joining me today is Luigi from the Married with Children podcast. He left the show in 1995 and worked with Jay Leno for over six years. It is an honor to get to talk to the star of Me and the Shiksa, Larry Jacobson. Was that was that was that an intro or, or an obituary? I'm not sure, but it was nice. It was very nice. Thank oh, you. Yes. Um, you can't see it because I uh, we're decided to go black with um, our pictures. I have the late night with David Letterman, the book with me too as well. Oh, cool! That's great. You know, I hope I hope I'm not too vain. Uh, even though this is just audio, earlier today I was in hair and makeup for an hour. So oh. I hope I hope that's okay with you guys. <laughs> it's funny because I just got I just got a, a tweet from uh, Gerald Jerry Marlowe with the exact same joke. Really? Wow! You know what? A lot of a lot of people write the same jokes. Um, you know, when, especially when you're writing topical. Mm. But that's funny about Jerry having the, the same uh, the same line. I I listened to that podcast by the way. It was really good. Uh, oh, Jerry you. was. Jerry was like one of the funniest writers I ever worked with uh, and really a good person. And he was, it's amazing. He was so quick with a comeback. And he mentioned that we saw each other uh, last uh, in 2015 at Dave's uh, at the Letterman kind of a farewell party after the last taping. Um, And uh, at that time he met my daughter um, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that his daughter is doing really well. Uh, that's that's really nice. And you know, it was uh, you know I used to I used to bring my daughter to the office when I worked on the on the Tonight Show, and she kind of grew up around that stuff. And now she's writing for a late night television show. I'm oh. proud to say. Which one? I'm really really proud of her. That's awesome. She's working on Jesus and Marrow on Showtime. Um, and so she's living back in New York and kind of, it's almost weird of doing the similar things that we used to do. I mean, writing for a late night show, she plays softball where, you know, we used to play softball years ago, uh, with the, uh, the Letterman group, we used to play other teams. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm really excited for her. And I, and I have to tell you, I, I, I believe Jerry mentioned my wife is Japanese. Yes. Um, at my daughter's bat mitzvah, her grandparents were there, my wife's parents. And in my speech, you know, as we all give speeches for bar and bat mitzvahs, in my speech, I said that, you know, her grandparents are here tonight. They really don't speak English, which they didn't. And the only Hebrew words that they know are Torah, Torah, Torah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'll tell you, sometimes, sometimes jokes can get you into trouble. Um, another story about my daughter, when we were looking at schools, we were looking at lower schools for her and we went to one school out here in Los Angeles 
and we had the tour and after the tour they said any questions and of course this was a little bit after the clinton uh um controversy is sex controversy and so i being a comedy writer and being a jerk sometimes i raised my hand and i said how many of your students have gone on to become white house interns <laughs> And the headmaster kind of looked at me, and I, I didn't know why, he kind of stared at me. I found out later, I didn't know this at the time, I swear to God, Monica Lewinsky went to that school. <laughs> I did not know that. Ouch. I know. <laughs> Nevertheless, she got it. She made the waiting list. We went to another school, but she made the waiting list of that. Well, as a, <laughs> as a graduate of Massapequa High School, who was there, when every night Dave was going, but a Fuko, but a Fuko, but a Fuko, <laughs> I know what it's like. Oh. <laughs> um, the the other the other story. She went uh, she went to a Catholic school for two years, and they were great. They were very nurturing. Um, and the the headmistress called my wife and I in one time, and she said, "I really like you guys. I think you guys are great. Uh, I just wanted to ask your advice." how do I attract more Jewish families? And I looked at her and I said, offer a discount. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't know how to react. She didn't, she didn't really know us well. And then other, other, she told other parents at the school the story and they said, well, he's a comedy writer. What did you expect? <laughs> so, um, I had a teacher who looked just like Michael Dukakis. And oh, oh God! Literally, I, I hope it wasn't. I, I hope it wasn't a woman. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually that was the, my first crush. No, but um, she it was it was a guy, Mister Del Maestro, and he actually got work in '88 as uh he go he go to parties and pretend to be and pretend to be Michael Dukakis. So when I finally had him, I finally had him on the first day of school. He's like, all right, well, this is what we're gonna study in government, and you know, blah blah blah. Does anybody have any questions? And I, I and I can't believe I did this. I raised my hand. And I said, yes. If your wife were raped and murdered, would Ouch. you? Oh, oh, God. Oh, Ouch. Oh, oh, the famous Dukakis question that get him in. Um, he asked if anybody had any questions. Who are your comedy influences? You know what? I I always had a love of comedy and comedians and i used to when i was younger my parents were also they, they also loved comedy and my parents were funny my dad was kind of a silly sense of humor and my mom was more sarcastic um but we uh we used to watch ed sullivan because of the comics carson we used to watch I, you know his monologue red skelton i watched um i grew up and watching a lot of comedy films on tv um Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy, The Three Stooges, uh, W.C. Fields. What I used to do is I used to take an audio cassette at a little tape recorder, and I used to tape the audio of the movie, and I would listen to it. Um, that was, was way before VHS. Um, and by the way, uh, W.C. Fields was always one of my favorites, and I, I still think, I know humor is subjective, but I still think 
that one of the funniest, if not the funniest line in a movie comedy is in a W.C. Fields film called You're Telling Me. And it was uh, 1934. And it's the line is not even said by Fields. But Fields is, of course, a henpecked husband. His wife hates him. The whole town hates him. He meets a woman on a train. She turns out to be a princess. He thinks, you know, she's acting. She's not really a princess. But they have a friendship. She said she arrives in the town. She's on a goodwill tour. And she says she wants to meet, you know, his family. She gets off the train. And so when she meets Field's wife, she, you know, Field's wife is like, oh, you're the princess. God, it's so nice to meet you. And she looks at um, the wife and she says, you know what? You're the luckiest woman in the world. And the wife says, why? Is my husband dead? <laughs> and I just, I just think that line is a brilliant movie. It just always makes me laugh for some reason. Um, but I, I mean, I watched The Three Stooges. Uh, I loved Fields, uh, The Road Pictures, The Marx Brothers, uh, especially Groucho. And I watched, I used to watch Groucho on Dick Cavett. Um, one time we sat next to Groucho, my family and I, you know, I was like 12 years old. We sat next to him at a, a deli in Beverly Hills called Nate Nails. And I actually heard Groucho say to the guy he was sitting with, Louis B. Mayer was a son of a bitch. And it was just like, <laughs> that made my whole day when I heard that. In fact, when, when I was 12 or 13, a friend of mine and I, we rode our bikes up to Groucho's house. We, I lived in Westwood, which was near UCLA. We rode our bikes up to Groucho's house. Uh, he lived up in Truesdale Estates. It was a Sunday morning. I knocked on his door. My friend waited at the bottom of the driveway with the bikes. And he opened the door. He was in like a bathrobe. And I said, are you Groucho Marx? And he said, yes. And I said, I just have to tell you, I'm such a huge fan of yours. I I've seen all the Marx Brothers movies. I, I watched you know, reruns of You Bet Your Life. And he looks at me and he says, you certainly have some nerve coming up here and bothering me on a Sunday morning. And he slammed the door shut. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that still didn't stop my, my love of Groucho. Um, and uh, also, Woody Allen was a, a big influence. Um, you know, seeing his movies when they opened, listening to his nightclub act uh, on record, reading his prose, uh, he to me was was such an amazing comic mind. I mean, the jokes that he did on stage when he's when he holds up a watch and he says, see this watch? My grandfather on his deathbed sold me this watch. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, and, and my parents always watch a lot of comedy. We, you know, all, all in the family, Mary Tyler Moore. I love Taxi, Get Smart. I mean, Mel, I was a, a, a huge fan of Mel Brooks, as well as Woody Allen. And I used to watch Jack Benny's shows, his, uh, his old TV shows and listen to his radio shows. I, you know, I always thought, I, I thought Benny had some of the best writers in the business. 
uh, just his character was so well defined. Um, and I listened to a lot of comedy albums. I listened to Carlin. I, I, I was lucky enough to see Carlin perform like four or five times live. Uh, Richard Pryor, who I also saw live. Uh, um, you know, it's uh, Red Fox I listened to. I thought SCTV was, I, I had a lot of influences. Um, and I'd read a lot about comedians. I, I, I collect, collect books on comedians and uh, the biographies, humor books. And I just always had a love for comedy. And I mean, you know, as you as you get older, you start to see how people like Oscar Levant and Fred Allen were so funny. Um, it's uh, so I, I hope that answered the question. And I didn't go on too long. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to try? You started with stand up, correct? Uh, I did start in stand up, uh, <laughs> uh, and. You know, I wasn't a great stand-up, um, but uh, I, I mean, I, I would have a few good jokes here and there. Um, there's, you know, I used to do a joke and uh, about, uh, I joined a new church group, the Church of Beverly Hills. They believe that when you die, you don't go to hell, you just go south of Wilshire, <laughs> which is a really nice joke. And... Uh, you know, I, I wasn't a great stand-up, and it was actually, I, I performed at clubs with other people who were really good stand-ups, eventually. I mean, I, you know, I'd make it through open mic night, did okay. But uh, it, it was uh, Paul Rodriguez who was performing the same places, and he said, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but you're a really, really good writer. Um, you know, you should really concentrate on writing. And, and you, you know, you're not a great stand-up. And I knew that, of course. But, um, and so I, I actually turned to, to, to writing at that point and started submitting jokes to different comics. I, I, I wrote for the first person to ever actually pay me uh, was George Wallace, not the, not the governor of Alabama, the comedian. <laughs> Um, and he gave me a retainer and the joke that I first sold him was during the Iranian hostage crisis. You know, um, do you, you remember when that started or maybe you guys are too young, um, but what happened was they would have a, a show on ABC and it'd be Iranian hostage crisis day 10, day 15, day 20. And the joke I wrote for George that I sold him was that, you know, uh, they're not too optimistic about the situation because ABC just renewed the show for next fall. <laughs> uh, so I, I wrote for, for George, I, I, uh, and that led to writing for other people. I wrote for uh, Will Schreiner. Uh, who is who's such mm -hmm. a great guy? We're we're really good friends, um, and uh, you know I wrote a lot of a lot of jokes for Will. Um, the uh, um, there was a joke about uh, you know I, I used to this this joke is probably pretty dated right now, but I used to live next door to a Hare Krishna, and it was great whenever I needed a lift to the airport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
um, you know, and, and, and Will's such a great guy, and, and, and I always had a great, great time writing for Will. But I wrote for Jimmy Walker, uh, among other people. I, I wrote uh, a few jokes for for Jay, for uh, Jay Leno, and uh, you know, kind of um, uh, jokes I'm kind of sprinkling his act or whatever. And there was you know, one joke that I remember was uh, that he did. It was uh, so cold in Beverly Hills. I, I saw a guy wearing two sweaters around his neck. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, Jay, uh, we were one time, Jay liked my writing a lot. And one time we were in front of the comedy store. And Jay said, you know, I don't have a, a show right now. Um. You know, but if if I if I did, I'd love you to, to write for me. But why don't I, you know, pass your stuff on to Letterman? And uh, that's how I actually got the job with Letterman. Um, how did you get permission to do your job from LA? Uh, they were trying me out. I didn't really have permission. No. Um, they, I, I think it was a kind of a trial basis, a three month trial basis to see if it would work. Um, and or if Dave would like my material enough to bring me out there. Uh, so what happened was the, I think it was a, a Labor Day weekend and there was a, a joke, uh, I had written um oh i just remembered another joke from my stand-up days okay. uh, which was a pretty lame joke kind of got a laugh news cameraman killed in accident no film at 11. but so so uh they they had me on a, a trial basis and then it, it was it was uh was basically uh there was an uh it was Labor Day weekend, and, I, and Dave did a joke saying, I was coming to work today, and I was driving to work, and a guy just cut me off. He cut right in front of me, those damn Amtrak trains. <laughs> and that that got a laugh, and uh, it kind of snowballed. He started to use more stuff. I was sending stuff in, um, and kind of a funny story about that. Uh, they had a, a uh, you know, a person on the show who was, I would talk to and they would type up the jokes and give them to Dave. This is before fax machines. Um, and so the guy would call me each morning. I would rattle off like 10, 12 jokes and uh, he would type them up and give them to Dave. And that would be it. My day would be done. So what happened was, at one point, I got a phone call, you know, how many jokes did you write today? Uh, I told him and, uh, okay. All right. Okay. Thanks. It turns out the guy who was the PA who was writing up the joke, he was tagging his, putting his own jokes on there mm. and handing them in too, on top of my jokes, adding them to, to my list. And they could, they could tell the difference. I mean, say, not that, yeah. Not that I was such a great writer, but they could tell the difference. And that guy no longer worked for the David Letterman show. I I don't believe he did. <laughs> I don't believe he did. I read that you created the um, the jokes where David would go, 
Now, the hookers in Times Square, bless their hearts. Is that true? I, you know what? It, it, it's it's so hard to tell sometimes um, because, you know, so many of these things just kind of, you know, we're all in a room sometimes. For opening jokes, we kind of wrote in our own rooms. But it, it's hard to tell who created what sometimes or what formula. Um, I, I can't, you know, uh, lay claim to that. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I am not sure. All right. Bill Sheft g- gave you credit on his uh, blog. Okay. Well, if Bill gives me credit, I'll take it. Okay. Because <laughs> so, um, I just always remembered, like, whatever holiday it was, it'd be like, you know, it's the Christmas season. So the hookers in Times Square, bless their heart. And then he would tell the joke. Right, right. Yeah, we used to, we used to do a lot of those, um, you know. And it's uh, there are uh, and uh, you know if if he says I did it, well, uh, you know, uh, I will I will definitely take credit for it. There were a couple times where you were in a either a you asked to see it or a viewer mail segment, and you said that you were Bobby Ray Hall. Now, did you do right. that? That was that was all that was all Dave. I walked into Dave's office one day and Dave said to me, put on this cap. And at that time I had a mustache. Um, and Dave said, put on this cap. And he said, yeah, you do look like him. And it was Dave's idea for me to play uh, race car driver, Bobby Ray Hall. Um, and I would appear in sketches sometimes with one line sometimes with no lines, just, uh, and, and, and uh, it would be Larry Jacobson as race car driver, Bobby Rahal. And that seemed to amuse Dave to no, to no end. Um, and I, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was fun doing that. It was fun to appear on the show. He used to appear on the show doing certain things. And one, one of the funny things is whenever you would be on the show or something, Dave would come up to you as he was leaving the makeup room, because he knew you were going to be on the show, and he'd look at you and say, "Larry, don't fuck it up," <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of it kind of relaxed you more that you were able to go out there and, and, and do something. But uh, it, it was always fun doing stuff on that show. I mean, I, I I really I really had a good time. Over the years that you were at Letterman, what do you think the most fertile news story? was for you or Parson? Wow, there were, there were so many. There were so many news stories to choose from. Um, you know, I, 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 I used to write jokes sometimes about people that passed away and not, not meaning any malice. Um, but uh, it's like Tom Carvel passed away. Mm. And I, I had a line about, you know, he was cremated and his widow was asked, would you like him in a cup or a cone? Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was, uh, um, I don't know what the most fertile was. I mean, whenever there was a scandal in the news, uh, whether it was, you know, Donna Rice uh, um, with, uh, you know, with uh, you know, but I, it, yeah, it was, that's the guy. <laughs> it, it, it was uh, something to just jump on and do jokes about. When I started, though, 
Dave was only doing uh, one or two opening remarks, and, and Jerry was the other guy doing it. He wasn't doing that many jokes at the time. Eventually, and that, and that was, I think, because of Carson. Carson yes. didn't want Dave doing a long monologue because Carson did a long monologue. Um, uh, but uh, I, I think that uh, that yeah, eventually it expanded. And when he went to uh, CBS, he did a longer monologue after that. But I mean, eventually he did like four or five jokes, I guess, that uh, on on our show, on, on on the show on NBC, they eventually worked up to that. But uh, you know, it was. Uh, it, it was just exciting to work on that show and to work at 30 Rock. Mm. I mean, it was really unbelievable. And I, at first, I didn't really want to move to New York, uh, even though I got the offer. And I was thinking, I don't want to move. And people were like, are you crazy? Dave is great. And I, I thought Dave was terrific, but I just, I didn't know if I wanted to move to New York. So... Uh, when I first got back there, they put me up at the uh, uh, Berkshire, I think the Berkshire Hotel. Oh, yeah. 52nd of Madison, where, where all the guests stayed. And uh, I got kind of comfortable at the Berkshire Hotel. And eventually, uh, people from the show, the unit manager and other people started saying, you know, you've got to move out of the Berkshire Hotel at some point and start, <laughs> start looking for a place. So, um, I moved to like Midtown and I moved to uh, and finally settled on the Upper West Side. Um, I, I lived with my cousin for a while down in the village. Uh, and then I, I moved to the Upper West Side and uh, my uh, my bride to be or my, my future wife eventually moved out to New York and uh, and, and came to uh, to live with me out there. Oh, so you'd already had met her in Los Angeles. Yeah, you know what? We we got together at our 10-year reunion. Uh, we went to high school together, but she really didn't give me the time of day in high school. <laughs> she, uh, she she did, but, uh, you know, we, we didn't have that type of friendship or relationship or, in high school. But um, I asked her... You know, at the, I think at the reunion, I think I said something like, uh, you know, would you go out with me if I asked you? And she said, well, are you asking me? And I said, yes. She goes, okay, I'll go out with you. Um, but uh, she she really is amazing. And I'm, I'm, uh, I am a very, very lucky guy. Um, so, um, and then she came out to New York. And then when we went back to L.A., that's a beautiful story. Well, thank you. Um, she doesn't think so, but you know what? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there were, there were other things I, I kind of, you know, wanted to talk about. Um, I mean, I, I, I always had a, a, a love of comedy, as I said. And I used to go up to UCLA. My dad used to take me to UCLA when I was a kid. We lived like a couple blocks away to see a lot of the comedy films, like older comedy films, like Chaplin, Keaton, uh, Marx Brothers. Uh, and and uh, and I, 
was also a ball boy for UCLA basketball for the 70-71 championship team, wow. which uh, was uh, was one of my greatest thrills in life to this day. Um, but, uh, you, know, I, you know, I started out like everybody watching Abner Costello, Laurel and Hardy, all those things. And as I got older, I'd watch more sophisticated comedies with sharper dialogue, like, you know, Preston Sturgis, Sullivan's Travels, The Lady Eve, The Palm Beach Story, Billy Wilder, uh, The Apartment, Sunset Boulevard. Um, and I don't know if you, you guys ever saw, one of my favorite films was directed by Leo McCary. It's called The Awful Truth. And it's just a, a great, great comedy. And my parents loved comedy. And so they used to take me to see films uh, you know, I went with my parents to see The Producers in 1967 and The Odd Couple. And my dad took me to see Take the Money and Run. Um, mm. and, I, and MASH was the first R-rated comedy I saw, or maybe it was M for mature audiences. But uh, I, always, I always loved comedy films and, and uh, comedy shows. And I, I feel very lucky and blessed that I was able to do this for a career mm. yeah. and when you were on dave's show and you had somebody who was a, um, an idol of yours would you tell them yes i sometimes would go to their dressing room and sometimes uh somebody would print up a photo that i could get signed so i i went to go see bob hope uh i went to see uh, richard pryor um you know and and uh, uh they were they were always very nice to me um and it's funny when when uh rickles was on the show and i loved don rickles when rickles was on the show i went up to him in the hallway and i said uh introduced myself and i said you know we go to the same temple in los angeles and rickles looks at me and he hugs me and he goes, a Jew. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he said, what are you doing working for this white bread guy? <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, I have, I have so many great memories of working there. It was so much fun. It was, I mean, it was a great staff to work with. Uh, and, and, you know, when you're writing jokes on a, per joke basis for comedians and you're writing for you know ten dollars a joke or twenty dollars a joke or whatever um and by the way i wrote uh one joke for dangerfield mm -hmm. um and i went to I, I drove to vegas to give him the jokes that i had typed up and he was appearing i forgot what i think at the riviera maybe and I called his room and he came downstairs and I gave him the jokes and he said, Oh, thanks Larry. And he went back upstairs and there was one joke I wrote for him. And it's uh, my wife's my one joke that I sold him. And it's my wife's a rotten cook. I didn't know toast had bones. <laughs> and to this day, it's a classic Rodney. Um, Jimmy Fallon, when he does an impression of Rodney, he does that joke all the time. And I don't know Fallon, but I always kind of wanted 
to just thank him for keeping that joke alive. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, Rodney was always one of my favorites. I always thought he was great, especially when he went on Carson. He was just so much fun to watch. When you um, met him, was he wearing his famous robe? He was wearing a robe. He came out of the elevator in a robe. Mm. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look below because I heard stories. <laughs> so, uh, but but he was wearing his robe. I tried to look at his face, and that's it. I said, I don't want to look below. Um, but uh, one one time, uh, Will Schreiner, who uh, who who is such a great guy and 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 very very funny, uh, he had his own talk show, uh, and, and it. It didn't last that long. He, he did a really good job, but it, it, it didn't last that long. So when he turned 50, he had a party, and he asked some people to do stand-up that night. And I was one of them. And it was other people like – it was all like comedians, Kelly Monteith, Bob Saget. It was all, you know, professional comedians. And I was like a writer, but other people got up and said some things. And so uh, the invitation was sent out on – Will Schreiner show stationary and he turned 50 14 years after the show was off the air. <laughs> so my opening, I brought up the envelope. My opening is I held up the envelope and said, when I received this in my mailbox recently, my first thought was how fucking slow is the post office? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, it, I always enjoyed writing for Will. He, he was always a great guy to write for. I mean, I wrote and I wrote for I wrote for Jimmy Walker, mm. and Walker had some amazing writers. I mean, uh, Walker had uh, Jay Leno as a writer at one time, David Letterman as a writer at one time, Byron Allen as a writer at one time, and Walker. Really nice guy. One time we had lunch and he, we come out for lunch in a parking lot. He opens up his trunk and he said, you know, I'm living in Vegas now, so I can't use these anymore. Why don't you take them? And they were Laker season tickets. <laughs> wow. He gave me his Laker season tickets. I mean, cause he knew I was a huge basketball fan. Um, but uh, I wrote jokes for a robot and for a ventriloquist uh, named Jerry Lane, uh, you know, I, 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 and I wrote, you know, some things for Jay. And I and uh, I remember one night Dangerfield popped into the comedy store and he went up on stage. He had been at the Universal Amphitheater and he he went up on stage. He said a surprise guest, Rodney Dangerfield, and he gets up on stage. He tells one joke and it gets off stage. It was just like, it was like typical Rodney, you know? Um, and if I could tell you the joke, I don't know how, I don't know how sort of dirty I can get on this or. As dirty as you want. Okay. This is Rodney's joke, but he gets on stage and he says, Hey, they say, love thy neighbor as thyself. What am I supposed to do? Jerk him off too? And then he, <laughs> And then he gets off stage and he leaves. Um, you know, I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, I started for Dave from from California, and uh, you know, it's uh, I it, we settled uh, eventually in the Upper West Side, and I loved living in that area. You know, it was uh, 
it was like 76 in West End. And it was like a, a Cuban Chinese restaurant on Broadway um, and a, a place called Burger Joint. I don't know if you guys know that place that used to be on, on Broadway. Um, but uh, yeah, I have, I, I, I really, you know, and, and in those days, I mean, you know, it wasn't called, Dave didn't call it a monologue. It was called opening remarks. Right. Um, Cause he only did, he only did one or two. Um, you know, eventually it expanded a little bit, but he would only do one or two jokes. So, you know, I, I wrote monologue jokes, uh, top tens, refillable bits. Uh, I loved writing when we do, do you, do you guys know the bit bookmobile? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Dave would do fake books and I still, I, I always love doing that. Even at the tonight show, we did fake books, but, um, there was a, a book called the, uh, that I had one of them that was one of my favorites and it was called the sonnets of Shem. <laughs> um, and then there was one, I remember I, I wrote, uh, that was, uh, a book by Salman Rushdie and the cover showed him like almost giggling, hiding behind the couch. And there was a guy with an automatic weapon, a uh, terrorist with an automatic weapon. And the name of the book was, uh, uh, Hey, Mohammed, you're getting warmer. By Salman <laughs> um, but, uh, but one of my, one of my happiest moments on late night that, that made, gave me a lot of validation was we used to do a bit called dial it. dial, dial the stupidest person in the world. And then there'd be a joke or dial the, you know, dial the most angry person in so-and-so then you know dave would pick up the phone dial it and you'd hear a recording that was the joke the joke i had written and i hadn't been at the show that long but the joke i had written was dial the most immature person in the donner party <laughs> and you hear you hear people like talking and eating and then you hear one guy yell food fight <laughs> <laughs> That got that got absolutely no laughs. Whoa. That got no laughs. Dave looked at the audience and said, "Now that's a great joke." And I just it made me feel so good because you're going from no laughs, oh people hated that joke, to Dave telling the audience that was a great joke and and giving me validation. That's crazy. It had no got no responses. Hysterical. Well, uh, I, I guess people weren't well read or well informed, you know. I know, I know. I <laughs> guess they got the free tickets that day somehow. Um, but yeah, when I when I uh, you know it was fun playing Ray Hall, and you know years after after I left the show, I got a phone call from the show. They they said somebody contacted them, and they wanted to know if I would play Bobby Ray Hall at a convention. And I was just like, what? No, I, I'm not just, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, I, I, if I knew, if I knew it would have been that big, I, I probably should have joined the legend show or something in Vegas. <laughs> uh, um, but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun on, on Letterman. It was really, I mean, it was a great staff, um, you know, really, really smart, funny writers. 
uh, to work with uh, Steve O'Donnell was the head writer mm-hmm. at the time when I joined it. I was really, I was really brought in for, you know, it wasn't called monologue at the time, but I was brought in for opening jokes. So Jerry and I write opening jokes. Jerry, Jerry's such a great guy. He really is. And he, he's so, so funny. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would, I would write other things on the show. Uh, Biff Henderson, I wrote a, a bit called Biff Henderson's Where Are They Now? Mm. And I don't know if you guys knew that, uh, it, it didn't last that long. We, we milked it for a few, a few times, but it'd be like, you know, uh, where are they now? And there'd be a photo of Howard Hughes and then Bill Wendell, the announcer, you know, it'd be like, oh, Howard Hughes, uh, American industrialist, you know, well, in his twenties, he built a financial empire. Uh, he later uh, set aviation records, ran arcade studios and TWA. Howard Hughes, where is he now? Then Biff would say, dead. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that would be the bit. You know, we did it a few times with Dwight Eisenhower, I think, and some other people. Another bit that I that I came up with, I guess, was, was Anton's, uh, Anton Fig was a drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anton Fig would guess the expiration date. Yeah. On something. <laughs> So he would be blindfolded. They would hand him, uh, you know, a little cup of yogurt. He would taste it and just say, February 12th. You know, it's like, and then you'd have to look at what the expiration date was. Um, and, you know, and it was it, it was fun to do that. And Anton, Anton was great to work with. Um, do you guys remember? You guys remember Jimmy the Greek, of yes. course, right? Yes. Yes. So he was an odds maker on CBS. And uh, he would be on on the pre pre football pre game show on for football, and and uh, so one time he I I think he had a heart attack. He went in the hospital, and I wrote a joke about him. And uh, Dave liked the joke, and he kept saying uh, all through the day. He kept asking me, "Is he is he getting better? Is he doing okay?" I said, "He's fine. He's fine. He's not you know." He's, he's out of the serious zone. He's doing fine. And so Dave went out, did the joke. And, and for the, uh, for the life of me, I can't remember the joke now, but I'm sure it had to do something with odds. Yeah. Like 50, but, 50, you uh, make it. Yeah. Uh, Dave goes and sits down at his desk and I give a, a handwritten note to Barbara Gaines and she goes over to Dave, hands him the note. I'm standing in the studio. And Dave looks at me and starts laughing. The note said, Jimmy, this was after he finished the monologue, sat down at the desk. Jimmy the Greek has taken a turn for the worse. No, it's a joke. It was what I had said. (laughs) (laughs) And I would would send them notes throughout the whole show. Um, And sometimes, I mean, one of the fun things, you know, we got to appear on the show um, as writers and as Bobby Rahal, uh, I did uh, the Lombada in the audience one time for viewer mail, um, mm. and uh, you know it was it was great doing that. And, and a lot of times Dave would relax you because right before he would leave the makeup room before the show would start, he would look straight at me and say, "Okay, Larry, if you know I was going to be on, Larry, don't fuck this up." <laughs> and it's just like. 
it's just like, okay, you know, um, and sometimes, you know, I, I, it was so cool working at 30 rock. It was so, I mean, it was, it was just amazing to, to be working there. Um, and sometimes Dave would send a page of jokes back to my office with a little handwritten note. And what, you know, it's like, he would send a page of jokes back and point to one joke and he would write like give my best to bob and dolores as if it was too much of a bob hope joke because <laughs> bob and dolores hope mm -hmm. um you know uh and and i i you know one of the i guess one of the highlights i got to write uh two bits for carson when he did our show and you know, we heard that, uh, you know, uh, that uh, Carson wanted to do something. So the writers would submit things. And one of the, one of the bits was Dave called Carson on a split screen and said, uh, you know, I really, I, I really want to do one more joke. Johnny, do you have any extra jokes? And, uh, you know, there, there was some, banter back and forth of course Carson said sure and we see Johnny feeding a joke into the fax machine um, and then we see it coming out on Dave's desk and Dave did the joke and I thought I, I thought that was I, I thought that was actually pretty cool and the other time Carson was in town for the upfronts and we were looking for an idea for a walk-on so I pitched an idea that Carson would come out holding one of those giant checks that Ed McMahon always has hey. in <laughs> promotionals. And he would tell Dave that he won the publisher's clearing. It was just a walk-on, so nobody expected him. So, he, you know, he, he would walk on and just tell Dave that he won, hand him the check. Ed couldn't be there that day, hand him the check. And, but uh, so Carson arrived at 30 Rock. We met him downstairs, got in the elevator, and he said, okay, he turned to me, we had a nice meeting, what's the gag? I explained it, and he said, oh, that's funny. And mm. even though I had worked for, you know, Letterman for a while, saw a lot of celebrities come and go, just meeting Carson was just kind of pretty unbelievable. You know, when I, when I was writing for Will Schreiner, and he would go out and do Carson's show, and I would go out there with him, and I'd stand off stage and watch, watch, you know, my material or whatever. One time, by the way, he got into trouble. They, uh, the show got upset with him because, and this this will show you how times have changed. Um, he did a joke of mine. Will did a joke of mine that was, uh, you know, now if you want to have children in the future, you can freeze your sperm, you know, although it takes a real man to fill up an ice cube tray. And, <laughs> and they got upset with him for doing that joke. You got to laugh, um, which is not always, you know, an excuse for things, but they, they did get upset with him for that. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, meeting Carson was just like, just like such an, a, a big event in my life. And, and having a chance to work with him, it was it was it was it was great because I I grew up watching Carson. Mm. Um, 
And we used to go down to the makeup room sometimes, you know, before the show, Dave needs another joke. So we'd go down there like 10 minutes before taping. Okay, what do you have? You know, and Jerry and I would tell him jokes or whoever was writing for him at the time. You know, later on, more people were, were writing opening remarks. Um, but, uh, and I'd go down and I'd meet the guests, like, we, you know, we talked about. And on The Tonight Show, I, I went down and, and met Albert Brooks and uh, got to talk to him several times. And, uh, you know, I always, always just uh, thought he was terrific. Mm. Always uh, one of my favorites. And when, of course, when Christina Applegate would come and do the show, it was after I had worked on Married, so I'd go down and say hello to her. And they'd bring my daughter around too sometimes. And there were people who had gone to her school who were doing the show. It's like, uh, oh, um, oh gosh. Uh, there were, there were uh, you know, certain people and, and I'd go and say hello to these people. They, they were they were always very nice. You know, Shandling was was one of my favorites, and I, you know, go downstairs and say hello to him. Um, but uh, Gary was 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 always very funny. I always admired him so much and liked his comedy so much. All the people that came in '84, the second wave of Letterman writers, I've gotten to I've gotten to talk to Randy Cohen. Okay, I, I shared an office with Randy. He did more of the existential bits, I would say. The monkey cam, turning the, you know, doing... A 360 show. The 360 show. Um, who, but the one that he didn't, I asked him, he, and he didn't know whose idea it was. He, he, he forgot that it happened during his tenure. Whose idea was it to do the show live from Ford Plaza? I want to say Adam Resnick. If that's possible, I think I think it was Adam Resnick. I'm um, uh, not a hundred percent sure, but that's that's who I would point to. That's a great episode. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there were. I, I mean, the show did so many cool things. They they really did, and that's what made the show stand out. That's what people loved about the show. Um, you know. Dave, Dave was terrific with the guests, but um, some of the times when we did uh, Too Tired to do a show, mm. um, and we did the show up in the office, and Dave went around and talked to everybody, the staff. I mean, I thought that was a, I thought that was a really good episode. A, a lot of, a lot of things that I just think it, it, the show was so different that it just made it stand out and it was i, I mean it became a, a cult show i mean people loved watching the show uh you know and and dave dave was funny at the desk without a guest mm. i mean when he would just be talking he was funny um you know it was and it was it was a fun show to work on and going to uh miami for the anniversary show uh on the plane Doing the anniversary an anniversary show at Radio City, um, there were just so many great things about working on that show, and I, I I really enjoyed working with that staff. I mean, they were all really good guys to work for. I mean, Kevin Curran was hilarious. Mm. Uh, always had a great take on something. Uh, unfortunately, Kevin passed away way too soon. Um, but uh, he was uh, he was very funny. I mean, Matt Wickline, uh, Steve O'Donnell, 
Uh, Randy. Um, Fred Graver I had as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fred was terrific. Um, and Steve Young. And, and Steve Young. I mean, all these guys. I, w- I was – I consider myself very lucky to have worked with uh, such great, great comedy writers. I mean, it was uh, – it, it was it was fun working on that show. It really was. I watched um, the a 1990 talent. Uh, it was staff talent show, and and the writers' assistants, uh, Joe Fury, uh, Paul Sims, Paul Sims, yeah, Jennifer Crittenden. I mean, yep. these are major writers, and they were the writers' assistants at the time. No, I know, I know. Uh, well, everybody has to start somewhere. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, look at the pedigree. Oh, yeah, I know. You, well, you know, people they, people in this business pay their dues. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it, we, you know, Dave recognized talent. He really did. Um, and if people who wanted to work for Dave were a lot of people who were talented. Um, yeah, Donna, and, Donna Carey, you know, another guy. And Donick, another one. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I consider myself very lucky to have worked on that show when I did. You know, because I, 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 I was brought in primarily for opening remarks, but you know, I, I expanded and started writing other stuff. Um, you know, it's, with top tens was always fun to write. I always loved writing top tens. Dave also, um, before we, before we uh, leave. Dave, um, I remember he hosted the Emmys one year, and uh, one of the lines that I wrote for him is a line I was, I was really proud of, but uh, saying, uh, Shirley McLean will be getting a special previous Lifetime Achievement Award tonight. <laughs> That's great. Dave would actually, Dave would call, sometimes call our phone at our apartment and leave messages not saying he was dave but he would call up and you know make a phony phone call basically say oh, we're going to be delivering the meat next wednesday where do you where do you guys want it you know should we just leave it outside should we and it, you know i i wish i wish i had saved those tapes but i didn't they were on the answering machine that we that we did get rid of eventually um we also you know it was fun we, we used to play softball Mm. Uh, a, 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 as a as a show, and one time we used to play in Central Park. One time we got to play in Yankee Stadium, and how cool was that? You know, it was it was just it was it was really, really great. And one time also, I was lucky when I worked at the show. Dave was accessible. I mean, you could walk in his office, drop off jokes, have a conversation with him for a while. He, apparently writers later in later years they didn't have that with dave or they didn't you know um some of them didn't really talk to dave much but um one of the times dave called me into his office after the show and i said what's up and he said just sit down i said what's going on he said just sit down you're gonna be surprised you're gonna be happy and I was just thinking, well, what's going on? Because I, I thought, well, he wanted to yell at me or whatever, but he never yelled at me. He, he always, Dave was always very nice to me. But, um, so I don't know why I would say that. But, um, so I'm sitting in his office 
And about 10 minutes later, he said, this is going to be good. 10 minutes later, this is after the show, Tommy Lasorda walks in. <laughs> and and, uh, and Dave said, see, I, I told you it'd be good. Didn't I tell you? <laughs> and it was, it was just like he wanted me to sit there and wait to meet Tommy Lasorda. Because Lasorda came up to visit him. Hmm. Um, one time, I was supposed to go to the Indy 500 with Dave. Now, I'm not, I'm not a race fan, um, but to go to the Indy 500, it would be a, a, a cool thing. So I fly to Indianapolis, and then I, I, I get a call that, oh, Dave can't make it. I get a call from, uh, I think it was Lori's assistant, that Dave's not going to be able to make it. So you go ahead. So I had a friend who lived in Indianapolis and I, I asked him to go with me if he wanted to go. So we get to the Indy 500, we get to the uh, uh, suite, the Valvoline suite. And I said, uh, hi, uh, my name is Larry Jacobson. I'm supposed to be here with David Letterman, but he said that he's sorry he can't make it. And the people kind of gave me this look like, well, who the hell are you? <laughs> And, and all of a sudden they went off, these people went off and they went into like a little circle and I see them talking amongst each other. And I'm thinking, what's going on? I flew all the way to Indianapolis, had to change planes, I think in Chicago. And they come back and said, and after like five minutes, they said, well, you guys can come in. It's okay. But they were, I guess they were debating whether we should be able to even come in and speak without Dave. Um, for, a, uh, for a wedding gift, Dave, uh, Dave sent us this giant box when my wife and I were married. And I, I didn't know what was in it. I opened the box and it was four car tires. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but it was just like, you know, and, and you know there were jokes. I did write jokes sometimes. Uh, you know that uh, that got me into trouble. Um, but uh, you know, I wrote a joke about it was a Martha Ray, uh, and I said I saw the scariest commercial last night because she used to do a denture commercial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was I saw the scariest commercial it was Martha Ray, uh, denture wearer, condom user. <laughs> and it wasn't a great joke, but she sued. And it was just like, and you know, they took depositions and eventually they threw the case out of court. Was she raw dogging it and didn't want anybody to know? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I have no idea. And, but, but working there, it was like, you know, Jack Rollins was, was Dave's manager and, and he was always around the show. And you got to talk to him about Woody Allen and he would tell you, oh, yeah, we had to we had to push Woody on stage when he, you know, to do stand up. He didn't want to do it. Um, or talking to Bill Wendell, uh, the announcer about yeah, Ernie yeah. Kovacs, because he played cards with Ernie Kovacs and he was his announcer. Or, you know, when Peter LaSalle was around mm. talking to him about Carson, it was a lot of fun. And the writers got to appear on the show. Mm. Um so it was uh it was really it, it was a great time to be uh to be living in new york and to be working on the show academy awards in 1995 
Dave, oh, you have to bring that up. Dave did a great job. Well, thank you for saying that. I watched it, and then it was like, I watched it, and then I'm like, oh, I guess I was wrong. I guess it was bad. I never thought that. But, <laughs> but, we see what we want to see. Um, you know, it, 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 I, I thought Dave did a good job, too. And uh, uh, it was just, I don't know what it was. I don't know why people reacted like that. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it, uh, it certainly was fun writing for him for that. Uh, I just, uh, I don't know why he had such a backlash on that. Who, who wrote the Uma Oprah joke or was that Dave? The Oprah joke, I believe, I think it was Rob Burnett, I think. And he did it and it did well. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's revisionist history sometimes isn't always right. Um, you know, I, I know, I know there were people who didn't want to come on the show sometimes on Letterman because of his reputation, quote unquote. Um, but it's, you know, I, I just think Dave was so good at what he did. He was such a great interviewer. And there were, there were certain guests on the show that, I mean, when Jay would come on the show, he was always, it was always great his rapport with Dave when Leno would come on the show. Mm. Uh, you know, Richard Lewis, uh, Terry Gar was a great guest. Oh, yeah. Bill Murray, Cuddy Chung. Regis was a great guest. Jane Pauley. Yep, Jane Pauley, too. Mar Mar I mean, married a cartoon boy. Who? Ma well, he would always say, how's cartoon boy? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, Dave was Dave was great about uh, giving giving nicknames to people all the time. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it, it's funny how, how some people will, I guess misinterpret is not the right word, but you know, you don't see things the same and you wonder, wait, how, how did they see that? But I guess that's, you know, humor, humor is subjective. And there, there are some people who, you know, I, I kind of want to say who have a sense of humor, some people who don't. But um, I, I think that for, for whatever reason it was, um, they, they, you know, got upset with him for that. But he, I, I thought he did a fine job. I really did. So, so I, thought, that... I thought he did a really good job. Um... You know, I had written some stuff for Jay. You know, a, a line when he guest hosted about... You know, uh, for Carson, uh, it was so cold in Beverly Hills. I saw a guy with two sweaters wrapped around his neck. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and and Jay as a stand-up to me was, if not the best, one of the best. But uh, Jay was with Jay from uh, when was it? It was ninety-seven to two thousand fourteen on the Tonight Show, um, and Jay uh, at our wedding. And when I walked down the aisle, uh, Jay actually yelled, can you get me a better seat? <laughs> um, and, and he was at both my, he was at both my parents' funerals. He was at my daughter's bat mitzvah and not just a walk on, he stayed there, uh, for the, the whole night. He really is. And, and he wrote my daughter, the nicest, most heartfelt, 
note uh, a letter for her bat mitzvah uh, that is just amazing. I, you know, sometimes I'll look at it now and just say, God, that, that is so nice. But, um, you know, and I think he, he took a lot when uh, going through all this stuff with, uh, with, with Dave, with Conan. Um, but uh, I, I've just always had uh, uh, respect and fondness for Jay. I know there's camps of Letterman and Leno, but I mean, Dave will tell you, as he has done in interviews, recent interviews, that he thought Jay was the best stand-up. Um, and, uh, you know, luckily, Jay put in a word for me, and I got, I, I got hired. And I started from out here, as I talked about, for three months. It was kind of a trial basis before they brought me back to New York. So, but uh, I can't, I, I can't say enough about Jay. And they're, they're, they do have similarities. I mean, they, they uh, Jay, I think, concentrated more on the monologue than Dave, um, because of, of course it was a, you know, a 25 joke monologue. Mm. Um, but, uh, and some nights we would do the same exact jokes on the show. Wow, this is a long time. Uh, I haven't, I haven't talked this long since I've been married. So, uh. <laughs> you know, Jay used to come on with a, with a TV guide and then just oh, riff yeah, yeah, and then just yeah. riff and be hysterical. Right. And, and when I was working at Letterman and Jay was doing the show that day, you know, sometimes he'd come in my office and hang out and he'd say, you know, what about this? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, and he really is the nicest guy in the world. He really is. I mean, uh, um, he, uh, I, I can't say enough about him. And I, I considered myself, I consider myself very lucky to have been able to work for both Dave and Jay. Jay is, is, is very quick. And, um, you know, I, I know he, he, he got a lot of flack because of the Conan thing, but, uh, I, I, I think I think the world of Jay. I think Conan's funny, but I uh, I I do think the world of Jay. He's uh, he's been in my corner. He's uh, he's watched my daughter grow up. He's been great to work for, as Dave was. So I've been I've been lucky. I've been very lucky. You you and Wayne Klein, I, I've had as guests work for both. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know Wayne. Wayne is a is a really good joke writer, very good joke writer. And what did what did uh, Jay think of Chris Elliott's impression of him? I think I, I think Jay thought it was funny. I mean, I, I I think you know that that kind of stuff was okay. You know, um, Jay's Jay's got a, a sense of humor. Um, you know, I think some of the mean spirited stuff, uh, which was not. I don't know if you consider Chris's impression that. No, I, I don't no. think it was, but um, you know, some of the the meaner stuff I thought you know went a little too far sometimes. Mm. But uh, you know, I, I I think he was fine with it. I would love to see him on my next guest. Needs no introduction. <laughs> I know. I I I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be great. That would be terrific. 
I mean, uh, those guys did a lot of great shows together. I mean, uh, they really did. There's, there was, there was a joke I wrote for Jay and, and this is where, and Jay, and uh, this is when Mel Gibson had the movie passion of the Christ. Mm. And Jay was uh, just saying, uh, Jay said, you know, I really like this joke. I, I, I can't do it. John Stewart could do this joke. Why don't you come out and do the joke? So I came out on the show and I, Jay introduced me. Jay said, I can't do this joke. Here's the guy who wrote it. And I came out and I told a joke and it was about, uh, you know, Passion of the Christ. And, you know, Mel Gibson has this new movie out called Passion of the Christ. And a lot of Jews are upset about this movie. They're saying $9 a ticket. <laughs> but, you know, Jay said, well, you come out and do it. One of the one of the shows I worked on, I'll try and be brief because we're, we're already into our sixth hour. Um, we raised you know, a lot of money for the cause. <laughs> Let's go to the tote board. Jerry, what do we have? <laughs> what the world needs now is love, sweet. Um, I loved watching that show, by the mm. way. Um, biggest show I ever did, I guess, at the Tonight Show was the uh, during the energy crisis in California, I had an idea to do a show in the dark. And uh, we didn't have the audience lights on. They had either like these little miners caps or flashlights. And of course we had electricity because the cameras were working, but we didn't tell people that. Um, no lights in the studio. We had a sketch with an Amish guy. And it was an, a whole show uh, just devoted to the energy crisis that, uh, uh, that we had in California. And I, I, I was, I was, I was very happy about that show. Um, but there are a lot of, a lot of jokes in the monologue that, you know, looking back that we, you couldn't do now, no. you know, because one of the reasons a lot of those people are gone, <laughs> but, uh, um, you can't, uh, you know, it's, uh, and I, I loved writing, fake books like i said um we did fake books on the tonight show and i had one that was arnold schwarzenegger uh and the maid mm. it, it was a book <laughs> wait that's a the setup book. wait <laughs> that was before the uh, the announcement huh? <laughs> oh no 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 this was it, it was a book called uh uh it was a book written by arnold called quick pretend you're just cleaning it <laughs> <laughs> And there was like a Sarah Palin book called uh, that I wrote called Good Night, a children's book, Good Night, uh, Good Night Moose. And she had a gun pointed right at a moose. <laughs> um, but anyways, I mean, I enjoyed writing for, you know, we had Gilbert Gottfried, uh, mm. rest his soul, and Fred Willard, rest his soul, doing bits on The Tonight Show. And I always loved writing jokes for those bits. Yeah, and... Um... Fred Willard used to do, come on the t Johnny Carson Tonight Show with his um, Ace Trucking. Oh, I know, yeah, Ace, Ace Trucking, Trucking Company. Company, right? Yeah, Fred was Fred was terrific. I mean, he was really, really good, and so was Gilbert. Mm. And for uh, and for my daughter's bar mitzvah, uh, I got Zach Efron and Vanessa Hudgens when they were doing the Tonight Show to wish her a happy bar mitzvah. Wow! And also, the beginning of. Uh, you know, there's always a Bob Mitzvah tape that they play. Yes. 
so the beginning of the tape, I got Jay to uh, Jay agreed to do this. That's another reason I, I, I think the world of Jay too. Um, I got Jay to uh, uh, agree to do this. Rachel uh, came out on stage, and uh, uh, we kept the audience for it. And Jay was saying, you know, I understand you're uh, you're having a, a bar mitzvah, yeah, and then a couple of jokes, and then, uh, well, you brought a clip, and then as you go into the clip, that that was a setup for the uh, bar mitzvah clip, bar mitzvah, well, bar mitzvah tape at at her bar mitzvah. Um, so Jay kept the audience there to do this, which was so nice of him. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, the staff that I worked with at, at both, all three shows, Letterman, Married, and, and The Tonight Show were great. And at the, uh, at the Tonight Show, you know, our, our family would do funny Christmas cards or holiday cards, actually. And one year, I had a photo of my daughter, and it said, a, don- a donation has been made. You know those those yeah. cards. A donation has been made in your name to her college fund. It was a yeah. joke card. Right. Um, the last week of work for the show, uh, the stagehands came up to me with an envelope of cash and said, "This is for your daughter's college fund." Wow. And I was wow. so, so touched by that. I mean, how, how nice was that? Um, you know, I, I always felt I, I got along pretty well with the people I worked with. And it was just, God, it was just such a, a, a nice gesture that they would do that even. Um, so, um, but, uh, what else was, uh, oh, Jay, uh, yeah, Jay was always great to work for. His door was, door was always open. So you could always go in and talk to him about anything, um, you know, and, and talk to him and, and Dave, I mean, Dave was like that where there was one time where we, I actually came back to LA in 1991 and my mom had cancer and uh, my bride-to-be and I decided to come back and we would get married in LA. Dave kept me on staff, but one time when I was talking to him about a medical issue, Dave wrote down his cell number and said, call me whenever you want to talk. Mm. Um, just, I, I mean, both he and Jay, I mean, uh, I was really, really lucky to work for, for both of those guys. You know, there, there are things that you realize the longer you work as a writer that you didn't realize before, you know, when they, they, they when they say the bre- brevity is the soul of wit, you learn as a joke writer to use the least amount of words to get the joke across. Mm. You know, it's because verbiage, I mean, if it's too much, it, it can really just, it's, it's sort of like pollution. It just bogs it down. Um, I, I was i was very lucky. I consider myself very lucky to have a passion in life 
you know, I thought I wanted to be a comedian at one point, but uh, um, doing st- I did stand up, and it didn't last that long. And I knew that because I do like three jokes that would work. Fourth joke wouldn't work, and I'd say good night and run off the stage. <laughs> um, but uh, so Paul Rodriguez was the one who said you should really concentrate on writing. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I feel lucky that I was able to make a career out of it. And I feel blessed, the people I worked for and the people I worked with. And another thing was, was having the pleasure to see get promoted in this business, where, you know, you talked about Joe Fury, you talked about Paul Sims, um, Jennifer Crittenden. And there was like, you know, Rob Burnett, mm. uh, Dave Rogowski, John Kennedy, at the Tonight Show, Kevin Lynn, and they and to see them going from either being interns or PAs or writers assistants to writers, it, it was great to see. And and you know, I, I I would try to put in a word for people. I would say things to Jay about you know, and Jay was was good about you know accepting jokes from people, um, and you know to encourage them even though they weren't on the staff yet and he would pay them for their, for their jokes. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's just nice to see people advance in this business who, who have talent. Mm. Oh, there was, God, there was one story that when I first started writing for Letterman from, from, California. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Jacobson. Well, thank you guys. Uh, I'm sorry if I went on, way too long oh no it was great 